2020, episode 110. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Hey everybody, it's Ray Eaton, your host, your host, that's right, the guy that brings you the news and the related events for the 2020 election every day, Monday through Friday. This is Ion 2020, and it is your source to find all of that news and the relevant events that are going to go on, going on so that you can make good decisions in 2020, if you vote. I mean, those of you that don't vote, and I know a lot of my listeners don't vote, at least you'll be able to make some good memes for your friends. Uh, You'll be able to post those things on Facebook and on Instagram, and then you'll also be able to have conversations with people that you know, especially, you know, as we get closer to Christmas and Thanksgiving, you're getting together with your family members, you're getting together on 4th of July weekend, and uh, you're hanging out with your family members, and they're talking about how great Kirsten Gillibrand is, or how great, you know, Donald Trump is, or how wonderful the uh, Joe Biden is, or something like that, or you have your socialist cousin come by, and he's saying, or she's saying how great, I gotta, I gotta be, uh, I gotta let the women and the men get involved in this, by the way, that's why I just said women, she, or that's why I just said her, so she comes by, and she's a avid socialist, and she loves her some Bernie Sanders, but, you know, thinks he might be a little bit too old, so she's uh, moving more towards, like, Elizabeth Warren, or something like that, which, I guess she's older, too, as well, but, uh, you know, they come by, and you have these little conversations, you have these arguments with them, you have these debates with them, You have conversations with them, and you can give them a good, good uh, talking to about why socialism is wrong, or why this candidate is is not the right person. Or you could just kind of have a, you know, that that general conversation with them that can lead them towards a more libertarian view. Because the more you know about their side of the story and understand, if you seek to understand their side of the story. At that point, you'll be able to be better prepared in order to have that conversation that'll lead to maybe a little seed that you can drop in their lap. Little seed, just plant that seed in their mind that can maybe get them to question government, question the federal bureaucracy that we have, question the status quo that we live under. And if you can do that, that's what I'm here to do, is help you to understand these people. Because if you're not voting, that's fine. You guys know that I don't vote either, so... Uh, I I just think that from my standpoint, though, the best way to th- the best thing you can do is educate, 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 educate. Let people know a little bit more every single day about the words of liberty, the libertarian message, non-aggression. If you can do that, then uh, you know you'll definitely make a difference in the world and a difference with and the people around you. But more importantly and the difference of your kids if you have them. And that's why I, you know, that's why I do what I do every single day is because I have two kids and I want them to grow up in a world that has a little bit more liberty than the one that I've been growing up in. So uh, anyway, guys, what I was going to talk to you guys today about was the Kirsten Gillibrand 
town hall on on Fox News. And I was. I really wanted to bring that to you. I was thinking about it. I even watched it. I was going to have some highlights from it. But I must tell you, there was literally no highlights from that town hall. She tried to criticize Fox News at one point, and then Chris Wallace stopped her and said, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know that you're going to play to your audience and all that, but you can't be, you know, it's just disrespectful to criticize Fox News when we invited you to our debate, or our town hall, and I, they just, so he kind of stopped her, but then she went right back to it again. Um, that was maybe the only highlight. She really is just, to be honest with you, and I was just, I was, as I was watching it, she is kind of like a prettier Hillary Clinton, let's just say that. And she did. She actually took Hillary Clinton's spot in the Senate from the district in, or from New York. She's the senator from New York. She came in as Hillary went out in 2010. So she was kind of handpicked, handchosen by the Clintons and, you know, supported by the Clintons in order to become the senator there. And she won. Then she won again in 2012. When the actual, you know, she, she, was, she was brought in in 2010. I think she was appointed by the governor, and then in 2012 she was elected, and then in 2018 she was re-elected again in New York, but when you listen to her talk, I mean, she is a little bit more, I don't know if you'd say charismatic, because she seemed like, you know, she she moves her hands around, and she has motions, and she kind of knows what she's talking about, but she is very politician, like she, when I was watching her talk, I mean, she, she talked about you know, getting rid of gun rights. She talked about the Second Amendment. She talked about how that's not, you know, that the NRA is not there to protect the, protect the Second Amendment, which obviously that's true. The NRA is there to protect their interests, right? But she said, "Gun taking away gun rights is not about the Second Amendment. It's about profits. But I don't agree with that. And then she talked a lot about abortion and the abortion issue. That's something I'm going to stay away from as well. Uh, but she talked about that. Obviously, she is pro-abortion. Um, and then they tried to get her on, you know, her ideas of whether she's electable, if she's the person that's going to be the person that can, you know, bring people together. And she obviously gave that same spiel that all politicians give. My experience is this, and in the Senate I did this, this, and this, and it was bipartisan. And when I got those things passed, I was able to bring people together, because that's what I've done my entire career, is bring people together. And when I get to be president, I'll bring people together. I'll work with both sides in order to get things done, to pass laws, to pass, you know, and all that. And it's all stuff that I could not stand listening to. I absolutely cannot stand listening to, to politicians say that because the less they do, the better. You guys know that. That's how I feel. I don't need them up there making more laws. I don't need them they're, they're passing more legislation. The only legislation I want them to pass is legislation that gets rid of stuff. And that's it. So anyway, I was really going to do an entire episode on her town hall, but I just, I couldn't do it. She's just, she's a politician and that's all she is. When you listen to her talk, there's no, there's, there's no charisma. There's a, there's a little bit of charisma. I'll, I'll give her that. There's a little bit of charisma. She's a prettier version of Hillary Clinton though. She's a younger version of Hillary Clinton. She's... 
not I, I really don't think by watching this thing, I really don't think that she's that person that's gonna be the Democratic nominee. Absolutely not. Um she knew her stuff. She knew what what she was talking about when she spoke. She knew the talking points that she needed to get through in order to be, you know, in line with the base of the Democratic Party. She certainly knew that. But, she, I mean, she talked about socialism and that we don't understand socialism. She kind of said, you know, there's a difference between greed and capitalism but creating ca- capitalism is just a form of an, an, ac- an economic system. That's all it is. Greed is a, is a, is a natural human emotion or, a, you know, something, a trait that human beings have. All capitalism does is harnesses that greed in some ways and forces somebody who is very greedy not to do the wrong thing because they know that if they do the wrong thing, then it's going to come back and bite them in the butt. And then their greed, then they're not going to have as much money if they do the wrong thing. Because if the store owner, if it finds, if people find out that the store owner is cutting corners and doing things that's in tune with his desire for greed, then people are going to find out, and the guy that does it better, who's greedy but does it better, that's the person that's going to be more successful. So capitalism harnesses greed in a positive way. Government, on the other hand, does not. Government makes somebody who's greedy use the political system to get what they want and get more of what they want through the political arm of government, by the force of government, through political favors, through favoritism, things like that. But she talked about that. But she didn't understand. I mean, she's she's a politician. She's not a socialist. She's not an ideal ideologue at all. She's not a Bernie Sanders by any means. She's an electable type candidate. She's the politician that people like. She's the safe choice, maybe. But that was about it. So anyway, that's what I got out of that. I guess I did ten minutes on this on her particular on on this particular uh, town hall. I was going to do the whole show, I was going to spend some time going over her policies, but her policies are the same things that you guys have been hearing from every other politician, pretty much, and that's it. She's not going outside the margins, she's staying right within that democratic box, she's the safe choice if that was the case, but let's be honest, the safe choice for them is Joe Biden, he's polling well, she's just another safe choice down there in the 1%, 2% rankings, and so forth. So I don't think that this Fox News town hall helped her out whatsoever. Not at all. And that's it. Um, so moving on. Man, so I'm listening to one of, the, uh, one of the Sunday morning shows. So I listen to podcasts pretty much all day in my car when I'm working, right? And I'm listening to one of the Sunday morning shows. I th- I'm pretty sure it was MSNBC meet the press, and they were talking to Beto O'Rourke, right? Beto O'Rourke, he does this long interview, and the entire time, he's talking about how, like, one of the, one of the things that he was talking about was how his campaign was a grassroots campaign in 2018 when he was running for Senate. It was the largest grassroots campaign, grassroots campaign ever. 
and you know they raised so much money from the grassroots and all that and you know this campaign that he has now is a grassroots movement as well to get him elected because he's the guy he's the guy that can bring them together and he tried to use his credentials as a congressman that he's you know he was a, a uniter in congress and all that same thing they all say you know that so um but he like he kept on bringing up this idea that he was running a grassroots campaign in 2018 when he was running against Sen- the Senator Ted Cruz. And then he kept on saying the same thing over and again. That this is a grassroots campaign that we're not accepting money from PACs. We're not accepting money from interest groups and things like that. But I don't know if you guys heard my show that I did on this a couple of weeks back. Beta Work is bought and paid for. That's the name of the show. And that was episode 101. It's called Beto O'Rourke and All of Congress is Bought and Paid For. And I did an entire show on that because I was looking at this particular um, thing that shows all of the candidates in Congress and in the Senate and also which political interest group and which interest group basically donated to each campaign. And it's absolutely hilarious to listen to Beto O'Rourke say that he does not receive money from the PACs, he does not receive money from the interest groups, and so forth. Because on that episode, I detailed it, and there's like a hundred different groups that they talked about, and he was on like, he was the top, he was the, he was the congressperson, or he was the person in Washington, actually, that received the most donations from these people, like 33% of them, he was their number one. He was their number one he was the number one candidate that they gave money to. It was like the retirees, number one. You know, like, oh, there was like 33 of them, I think. I, I think I, I went through them all, and I just kept on seeing Beto O'Rourke everywhere. And that's why I named that episode Beto O'Rourke is Bought and Paid For, because this guy truly is, and he has the nerve to say that he is not bought and paid for, that he is not accepting money from these groups, but he totally is. And it was the funniest thing that he 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 said it four or five times during this episode or during this interview, and he and I'm sure he keeps saying that. I mean, I'm sure that's one of his go-to statements because all of them are saying that we're running a grassroots campaign. We're we're getting small donations from people. The average donation is forty-seven dollars. The average donation is twenty dollars. All the candidates say that's their talking point within the, the Democratic Party is that we're running a grassroots campaign. So that's the talking point, and all he's doing is he is giving those same talking points. It's funny to watch this guy say that, because when I, all I was thinking to myself the entire time is, yeah, you need to listen to episode 101 of Ion 2020, because, Beto, if you heard that episode, I mean, I'm, I'm very surprised that the press does not call him on that statement right there. I really am, because it's very easy to find. I mean, a full-time salesperson slash part-time podcaster found it. So I'm sure it's out. I'm sure these guys, all they got to do is cross-reference it. Go to factcheck.org and type it in and say, hey, man, this guy is lying, lying, lying. But anyway, that was funny. I just wanted to bring that little bit up to you as well and let you guys know about that. Um, Because... I just love it, and I, I'm going to start following these candidates a little bit more in the sense that finding out what they're saying and see if I can cross-reference stuff, because that's just, I mean, all of them are going to lie to you. That's what politicians do. They lie. They cheat. They're just trying to get re-elected or elected. They're trying to get power. They're trying to have power of your pocketbook, 
and power over the government so they can do more and more to take away your freedoms and take away your liberty. But hey, also, if you have a second, I'm sure you heard it on the show yesterday as well, but check out a couple of podcasts that I found. Eric and Gord, What If We're Right? And those will be on any of the any of the podcatchers that you listen through, as well as The Culinary Libertarian. That's Dan Reed, The Culinary Libertarian. You'll like them both. Um, you know, one of them, the Eric and Gord, they are hilarious, absolutely funny. I uh, love listening to their shows. Just started listening to them recently, but I love listening to those shows. Um, they're just, you know, they, they talk serious sometimes, but not really. I mean, it's all, it seems like it's all fun and games and jokes and everything like that. But, I mean, it was just really funny listening to them. And they do cover some political topics every so often. Um, sounded like to me just by listening to a few of the shows that I've listened to so far. And then the Culinary Libertarian, uh, great guy, great show, uh, you know, covering libertarian philosophy, but a lot of it's like sustainable living, things like that, uh, how to live sustainably. Cause he, I think he said, you know, if, 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 if the, if the crap hit the fan per se, you know, you want to make sure that you can live a sustainable life. You can live a life where you don't have to depend upon the government. And, uh, he talks a lot about like the laws and things like that, raw milk, things like that, things that, you know, the government does to keep you from having the food that you want. So that was a great show as well. I'm going to keep on listening to those guys. I've subscribed to them. So why don't you go ahead and subscribe to them as well? So Pete Buttigieg, man, he is making a, I've done, I've talked about a lot about this guy, but I, I said in the very beginning when I started hearing him, he is the sleeper in this thing. He is the sleeper of the 23 candidates that is starting to make a big splash. When I say that, he is speaking the language of the people that what they want to hear. He's a military veteran, so he has those credibilities. He, I mean, he's building credibility with people, but he speaks very eloquently. He knows what to say in a political way that you know, doesn't pin him down to things like, you know, he's a politician's politician, you know what I'm saying, but he also knows how to get people to feel inspired, he has that sound of like a Barack Obama, you know when you heard him talk, when you heard Barack Obama talk way back when, even though you're a libertarian that hates government, you listen to this guy and you're like, about to start waving your flag and screaming, you know, hope and change, like, that's how, that's how Barack Obama makes people feel, I mean, he made who was it? Uh, one of the guys on MSNBC made his leg tingle, you know, when he talks. So, and Pete Buttigieg, he really does have that same kind of charisma, same kind of thing going on that Barack Obama did. And I just think that if if he does, I just think that he's going to be the one that starts to challenge the Bernie Sanders. And then once he starts doing that, he's going to be able to ch- he's going to be able to challenge. Joe Biden. He's going to have no problem challenging Joe Biden. If he starts, if they start getting into these debates and so forth in the next month or two, once these debates start happening and people start listening to multiple candidates on specific topics, you're going to start seeing Pete Buttigieg really make a name for himself. He'll probably win a debate or two, to be honest with you, uh, just because of the way that he speaks. And then you're going to start seeing people whittle down. You're going to see all these lower tier candidates start to go away pretty fast. There's way too many of them. There's not enough money to go around to these guys. And I know that they're all making their last push in June to get as many donors as they can. Because they have to have their 65,000 donor, you know, do- individual donors in order to make it into the debates. And they also have to have like a 1%. I don't know if they have to have them both, but they have to have one or the other, right? So... 
But uh, Pete Buttigieg, he's gonna have no problem in the debates. He knows his stuff. He, he when you listen to him talk, you have that inspirational feel when you listen to him. Um, not that I do. I mean, I, I look I look at all these guys with a very critical eye. I just know that if if you listen to him talk, other people are gonna be feeling it, man. Other people will be, and that'll be interesting to see. Somebody as uh, a mayor from South Bend, Indiana, starts making. I mean, because people do just vote for people based upon the sound of them, by the promises they make, by their looks. People are fickle with the with their votes. They really are because there's no there's no commitment. It's a vote. That's all it is. Your commitment is time. Time to fill that thing out. Time to go to the election booth. But if you get the early voting paperwork, you can fill that out and then send it in. So, I mean, it's not really that much of a commitment. So, people will just, you know, they don't have a lot invested in it. So, they're going to just, they, they make decisions based upon the easiest thing. Who sounds the best? Who's the most popular at that time? Who's going to be, you know, they're, they're not looking into it as deeply as you and I might. So, that, I mean, but Pete Buttigieg, man, just keep an eye on him. I've been saying it for a while. Um, I think that he's going to be in the top five. Absolutely. Uh, he's already in the top, f- he's already in the top five, actually, but he's going to stay there. You're going to see Elizabeth Warren. She's kind of going down in flames right now. You can see that. Um, watching Kirsten Gillibrand, like, or Gillibrand, like I said, I don't think that she's going to be the one either. But um, going through more of my stack of stuff, there's really not too much going on specifically in the news. I am waiting for these, uh, I am really looking forward to these debates because that's really going to be, you know, the, the showstopper for this show. But I'm also seeing people in the libertarian movement now that are starting to, you know, say who they think is going to run for president and so forth, who's going to be on the libertarian ticket. We don't have a primary in the libertarian party. There is no primary at all. So you're not going to have the same, um, the same, the same thing going on within the press, right? You're not going to have the same press following every single thing that these candidates are doing. You're not going to have that with libertarians. We never will, unless there was, unless there was going to be some kind of primary type system that they institute. And I think the current primary system got started in about the early 1900s, 19. I've heard it was like 1909 or 1911 or something like that. They started the primary system where all the states would vote in a primary for their candidates and so forth. And uh, those parties, I think it must it's just a party thing. But now it's state-sponsored. Obviously, I mean, you go to the voting booth and they're using schools. It's not like the political parties are paying for all that stuff, I don't think. Uh, it's all state-sponsored. So it becomes a pretty big deal. It gets a lot of hoopla going along. You know, a lot of... A lot of excitement going for these candidates. I don't know if that's going to be a good thing for the Republicans or not, since they're not going to have all that excitement. But you know what? People will forget all about that stuff by the time the Democrats nominate their candidate and then Donald Trump is going full steam towards the re-election campaign. They'll all forget about that. It'll be, who's the status quo Donald Trump? Is he going to be better than, you know, Hillary Clinton's heir? Who knows? We shall see. But, um... I found one real clear politics that says Sanders not enough to defeat Trump must address the reasons why Trump got elected, is what the article says. So Bernie Sanders basically says to says to reporters, he says, 
it's not enough that we defeat Trump. We must address the reason why Trump got elected in the first place. And that is actually speaking the truth. Absolutely speaking the truth. Why did Donald Trump get elected? There was a lot of... um, There was... The American people were feeling disenfranchised by their government, to be honest with you. And that's why you see someone like Donald Trump get elected. Because Donald Trump was speaking to the blue-collar worker who felt like, you know, the, 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 the promise of America had left, you know, had, had passed them by. So it's really important for the Democrats to be able to speak on that same level to their constituency, to the voters, and make a case that Donald Trump did not fulfill his promise. But, Don, but Bernie Sanders does address that in this particular interview. He's, he, he was interviewing with the Young Turks. And they are a very left-leaning group, by the way. They are, the Young Turks, they're a very left-leaning, um, ex- far left, a far-left group is my understanding. I don't, I don't know too much about them, but I just know that when, when you watch them, they do take everything from a very left-wing standpoint. So... So the Bernster, during the interview towards the end, he says, um, he says, she's exactly right, that's exactly my point, and that is, look, we all want to beat the worst president in American history. No ifs, buts, or maybes on that. And if I lose this thing, I will be there doing everything I can to defeat Trump. But you want to address the reasons why Trump got elected in the first place. What is that? It is because for too long the Democratic establishment has ignored the needs of working people all over this country, people with longer hours for, they work longer hours for lower wages, 40 million people live in poverty, the only major country not to guarantee health care to all people as a right, a vigorous effort to combat climate change, dealing with criminal justice reform, immigration reform, these are issues that are not only the major issues facing this country, income and wealth inequality how do you not talk about that? We have, to, we have got to talk about that because it's the right thing to do. It's the way to win the election. So the Bernster does have that right, the first part of it right. You know, that, that the people felt disenfranchised. I said that. I don't think that the people are too concerned about the climate change. I mean, there are a lot of people that are, I'm, I'm sure, you know, but... I think that people are more concerned with their pocketbook and the economy than anything else. And that is the thing that's going to get Donald Trump reelected or it's going to get the next person reelected as, or elected as well, is who's going to speak to that, those issues, the issues that are going to affect the people's pocketbook. Uh, that's how I feel. But hey, guys, I certainly do appreciate you listening to the show every single day. You know, Monday through Friday, I'm bringing you guys a show. So if you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the show so you can hear some more of it tomorrow. You can follow me on Facebook. That's going to be I on the Empire, as well as my Twitter handle. And then IonTheEmpire.com is the website that you can follow me at as well. But keep on coming back every day, Monday through Friday, and you'll have clear vision for 2020.